Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so glad that you're here today because today we're going to talk about seven ways that God pays his workers. And this is something that you want to uh, really uh, let this scriptural message get into your heart today. Now, let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for the guidance and the instruction that we receive from the scriptures. Now, Father, as we study your word, we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, shedding light and understanding of your word and of your kingdom ways. We thank you, Father. We give you praise and we receive your word today in Jesus' name. And we all agree and say, amen. Praise the Lord. Now, today I want to talk about uh, working for the Lord in the sense of serving God. And I want you to see a scripture with me that uh, many people can quote and many people, you know, they, they go to this scripture when they need a healing, but there is something about this scripture that many, many Christians miss. Let's take a look at it. It's in the book of Exodus, way back in the book of Exodus chapter 23 and let's go to verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Now, this is a verse that is loaded with potential for the believer in Christ. And I think it's important to realize the benefits of belonging to the Lord. And we all have looked before at the statement, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. And of course, it's right there. It belongs to the people of God. But let's not forget how this verse begins in verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God. And this is very, very important because the blessing that we're seeing here of divine healing, it's so easy to be excited about that, but to overlook the first part of the verse, you shall serve the Lord your God. Wow. You know, so often, and it's happened many times, I've, I've actually stopped counting, but I was kind of surprised about it when I would first begin to minister the people, but it's happened many times over the years. Let me explain. Often when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon me to minister to someone, particularly in the area of personal prophecy, I will, you know, the, I will stand in front of the person, you know, or the person just comes up to me and stands in front of me. And so often before I begin the prophecy, right before I'm about to start, they will stop me. I can't even begin to tell how many times this has happened. They will stop me and say, Pastor Stephen, I, I do want you to pray for me, and I would like for you to prophesy over my life, but I, I have to confess that I have wasted my life, and I have never served God. Now, here's what you have to understand. Those that have told me this when they're sensing the Lord's presence and there are many of them, they're sensing the anointing for the first time. So it's causing them to be honest. <laughs> and you have to understand these are Christians that are confessing this to me. So it's, it's not that they're saying that I've never given my heart to the Lord. That's not what they're saying. They're saying I have never served God, although I've given my life to God, I have never served him. And some have even told me I've never served him one day in my entire life. Wow. So this is very, very important. Remember, so you shall serve the Lord, your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. And so, you know, often we get excited about that verse, but it has the condition attached to it. So you shall serve the Lord, your God. This is very interesting. So it also says that God will take barrenness away from the woman that serves him. So what happens if you don't serve the Lord? 
Well, many times in these moments where I've been getting ready to just a split second away from uh, getting ready to minister to somebody, I've been interrupted with uh, uh, you know, a heartfelt confession. Pastor Stephen, I've never served the Lord. And uh, there's a, there's a uh, I would call it a, a conviction. There's a conviction knowing that they have not um, honored the Lord in this area. And this is something I've noticed over and over with these people that, that make this confession is that they're so dry. It's almost like they're a bleached bone laying out in the desert heat, getting blasted by the heat of the sun. Matter of fact, one man, as I was going down the healing line, uh, laying on hands on people for healing and laying hands on people and, uh, and then, uh, prophetically ministering to one, uh, those people, uh, many of the people. One time I was going down the healing line, the prophetic line. And right when I went to touch one man, he said, Oh, he said, I have never served God the way that I should. And he said, I am so dry and dead on the inside. What's going on? Well, exactly what we would see here if we were to reverse engineer this verse. In other words, if you don't serve God, there will be, not that there might be, there will absolutely be a form of spiritual barrenness in that person's life. Mm. But of course, these things can be remedied by obedience. Praise God. Mm -mm. So service in God's kingdom is a covenant that provides a sure outcome. If you fulfill, that is, your end of the bargain with the tireless and faithless approach to serving God. Mm -mm. We're talking today about serving God. Now, in just a few more minutes, I want to get into the rewards of serving God. But first, let's understand the value of serving God and really specifically the core area in which we do serve God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, let me give you an example. Uh, just a few days ago, my wife and I, we hosted a meeting here in, uh, not in Moravian Falls, because we didn't have enough space or room, but in Wilkesboro, which is where our home is at, and it's only about five miles from, from here. And uh, Wilkesboro, North Wilkesboro, is, you know, like the hub of Wilkes County. So we hosted a meeting. We brought in an international apostle. Uh, this person came in and did a tremendous job. There were deliverances, miracles, healings all over the place. And people were blessed. We had people coming in from, of course, locally, all over the state, and even from other uh, states. And uh, it, it was just beautiful to see what the Lord was doing. But here's the thing that sometimes people don't recognize or see. Somebody had to get there early and set all of this up. Somebody had to reserve the outdoor, you know, amphitheater type uh, setting that we had. It was a beautiful setting with a, a raised platform and a big open area and uh, restrooms all over and free Wi-Fi. And it was just phenomenal. And people came from all over. But my friends, somebody had to do all of that planning. And then on the day of the, of the event, uh, technically, even the day before, the, the workers, their servants have to all be pulled together. And then we have meetings and we have prayer times together. Why? So that the, the conference, the meeting will go very, very smooth. And in order to do that, it takes what? Servants who have a kingdom heart to jump in there because they want to see people saved. They want to see people delivered and healed. And it's very interesting that while we did have some excellent men helpers, predominantly though, and consistently, it's usually the women who have a heart for God that are jumping in there and are doing much of the work. As a matter of fact, some of these precious spirit-filled women who were volunteering and doing all of this uh, preparation, and not only the preparation, but also the after work, because my wife and I, we didn't go to bed till one o'clock in the morning of the next day once that meeting was over. Well, long after the, the, the speakers back at their hotel room resting, having accomplished uh, what they've done. And of course, she said she was so wired in the spirit, she couldn't even go to sleep until three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 
that was Apostle Catherine Crick. Uh, what a precious sister in the Lord. But all of this taking place, you know, it takes a lot of help. And so we had a lot of volunteers and so many, the majority of the volunteers were women. So a lot of these women, I would go up to them because I, I knew who they were. And I know that most of them are married. I said, Hey, um, where's your husband at? Oh, uh, Pastor Stephen, he said that he couldn't come because in the morning he's got to go to the car show. There's a car show. He's got to go watch the car show. Uh, uh, sister, where's your husband at? How come he's not here involved in these wonderful things of God? Oh, well, there's a golf tournament tomorrow morning. He's got to get up so that he can go to the golf tournament. And, and this is like on and on. Uh, and I'm not saying these men don't love the Lord, but I'm saying that when you serve the Lord, your life goes very, very differently. And if you'll serve him, and I'm about to say something that if you're in your older years, your golden years, please listen to me very, very carefully. If you will serve the Lord, not only throughout your life, but even if you never really caught it while you're young, if you'll serve him and get God your availability and your energy and your talents and your strength and whatever you can put your hands to in your golden years, he will put an anointing upon your life of protection and health in your body so that you won't go down so that you can keep on going and live out your life. See, he said, I will fulfill the number of your days. I met a man in his late eighties. One time when Kelly and I were ministering in Oklahoma city, he came to my meeting and he was of course, greatly blessed uh, uh, to be in the meeting because the Holy spirit was moving. The word was being taught. And he said, afterwards, he came up and said, he said, Pastor Stephen, I have been so blessed in this meeting. I just want you to know that all I live for every day is to serve God. I retired a long time ago. So all of my time and all of my energy is involved in kingdom ventures of helping uh, the ministry that God has connected me with. And while he's talking and saying that to me, the very unusual fragrance of citronella began to supernaturally manifest and I said, I'm smelling citronella. And Kelly said, I'm smelling it too. And it was coming off of him. Oh no, before the meeting, he didn't take citronella and spray it all over himself or wipe himself down with it. But it was a supernatural fragrance that, that was emitting from him. See, citronella, it keeps mosquitoes and blood-sucking insects away when they come out at nighttime. And so when the sun goes down, or for those that would be elderly in, in the latter years of your life, as the sun begins to set on your life, if you will stay busy for the Lord, there is an immunity that comes where all of these blood sucking, life sucking things cannot get to you because of the citronella, because of your service to the Lord. And this man had energy. He had stamina, uh, stamina. He had health, praise God. And that is, that's not something that we can uh, just spin off of like, well, he's got good genetics. Well, no, he has good service and God will supernaturally sustain a man or woman like that because they are so vital in his kingdom work. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, this is interesting because uh, just a few weeks ago, a very well-known evangelist was passing through North Carolina, and he's uh, world-renowned. Most people know him around the world. And he called me and said, um, he said, hey, Stephen, I'm, I'm doing a meeting uh, over here in the Charlotte area, and I'd love to see you. I'd love to connect. And, you know, me and my wife have a meal with you and your wife, and we've known each other for over 20-plus uh, 20, 20 years. And uh, I said, yes, absolutely. Let's get together. So we got together and we, of course, had fellowship and so forth. And he told me an interesting story as we began to talk along the lines of spiritual things and understanding the value of eternity. And he, he's a real soul winner. And so he understands, hey, uh, you've got to make the choice in this life, you know, where you're going to spend eternity at. And so he and I were talking along those lines and he told me, uh, and by the way, he is 69 years old right now. And so his parents now have both passed on, but he told me that, uh, his parents, that his mother was just on fire 
always for God. And not just, not just in love with God, but she was constantly witnessing the people. She was constantly uh, uh, praying. She was very powerful intercessor, praying for him, uh, you know, her son who became this well-known evangelist. And she, uh, she was just always caught up in the things of God or serving God in every way that she could. But guess what? Uh, this evangelist, his father, while his father was saved, really didn't have any interest at all in serving God. He's another one of these guys that's just saved, but he's really living his own life the way that he wants to live it. And that's uh, a lot of the time out on the golf course, out doing all of these hobbies that make him happy. And he's just not really into seeing, you know, uh, hearts touched by the power of God. Really not into that. He's going to heaven. He's saved. So he doesn't really care about anybody else. That sounds really uh, awful, but that's the truth. And so anyhow, the uh, the evangelist, his mother died. And then one month later, uh, his father passed away. And, and, you know, sometimes when you have a couple that have been married that long, when one goes, the other one's so uh, missing that one that they're going to go usually very quickly afterwards. So within one month, they had both passed away. And because this evangelist was very busy uh, traveling and ministering all over, uh, the last month, a uh, few months of his parents' lives, he re really wasn't able to really see him. Only only like talk to them over the telephone or something like that because he's traveling all the time. So when they had both passed away, he, he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, I don't feel in my heart like I, I, I had the, uh, the good, I was able to say the goodbye the way that I wanted to. Now, he did, of course, tend both of their funerals and stuff like that, but he still wasn't as actively involved in their lives just before their passing as much as he would have liked to have been. So he told the Lord, Lord, I feel in my heart uh, a little upset about that because my mother especially prayed for me, and now I have this you know, well-known ministry, and I was never really able to say, you know, like a final goodbye because she just died. Now, she was old, but she just died, and I wasn't really able to say goodbye. And my father then passed away. I really didn't have the final moments I would have liked with him. So he said, Lord, I feel a little bit uh, like something was taken from me there. Well, he talked to the Lord about that and shared that with the Lord. And it was only a few nights later in the middle of the night when the Lord came and took him and took his spirit to heaven. I'm talking about the evangelist. And God allowed this man to go to heaven. And when he went to heaven, he was allowed to meet his father. And he saw his father. And the, the first thing that he told me that I noticed that he, he said, Stephen, when I saw my father in heaven, he said no longer was he frail and all of the color in his hair was gone. And he was also grumpy because he got real old and he was kind of grumpy and a bad mood. But he said, you know, because he was saved, he went to heaven and I saw him and all of the color was back in his hair, the vitality in his body. And he was happy and healthy. And he said, come on. He said, come on with me. I want to take you to see mom. And, uh, and so my friend said, well, uh, okay. So why like, are you guys like separated? Why are we going to see her? He goes, oh, I live with her. He said, well, why? He said, why do you live with her? He said, well, when I got to heaven, he said, you know, I never really served God. So I don't have in, in a sense, like some kind of really nice mansion. I have a, I have a nice little place to stay, but she's got this mansion. And so he said, I asked her, Hey, uh, can I live with you? <laughs> she said, yes, you can. <laughs> so he said, I live with mom in heaven. <laughs> Why? Cause she has a whopper of a mansion. Why? She served God while she was on the earth and he did not. Oh my goodness. Wow. The realities of these things are realities that some Christians will not understand until they finally get to heaven and they'll be like, oh, oh, but see, now it's too late. <laughs> these things are very interesting. You know, uh, here's another uh, short story before we move on to our next point. Um, last year, it was Veterans Day and it was uh, beautiful weather here in North Carolina, not a cloud in the sky. And my wife and I were driving around. We had some free time. And for some reason, we drove by 
the local cemetery here. And when we drove by the local cemetery, it looked so pretty uh, in the area where all the veterans are buried. They had all the flags flying. They had the, the Marine Corps flag and the Army Navy flag and all these different flags were flying and uh, American flags everywhere. It was so beautiful. We said, let's pull in. Let's pull in. This is Veterans Day. Let's just walk over there and thank God for the veterans who laid their lives down for this country. And so we, we pulled in and we parked and got out. We walked over to some of the grave sites there in the veteran area. And you, you could see people that had laid their lives down in World War II uh, because they passed away at the age of 20. So they, gave, they lost their life in the war. And, you know, you think about the sacrifice that those have made so that we can have the freedoms that we enjoy. Then I walked over to one grave and I said, I said, Kelly, I wonder who's, who's buried here. And I walked over it and looked down. And when I looked down, I, I, my, like, it's like my eyes got like that big. And I looked down and I'm standing in front of the grave of one of my former church members. Now, um, I don't pastor a traditional uh, a church anymore because I, I, you know, I do so much on the internet and plus I do so much traveling and I do so much other stuff that I have a different type of ministry than like a set pastor. My, my ministry is more apostolic and prophetic and teaching. Uh, but he was one of my former church members. And I looked down, I said, Kelly, I said, so-and-so I, you know, called his name. I said, he's buried here. One of my former church members, cause he was a military man. And well, Pastor Stephen, what are your memories of him? Well, I can't help but remember one day in the church, he wanted me to pray for him. Right when I was getting ready to pray for him, the, the presence of the Lord was there. And before I could pray, he, he asked me to stop and he, he made a confession. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, sometimes some people can't get it out to God. I know that we don't, a, we don't need a mediator. Jesus is our mediator. You don't have to confess before a man. But sometimes it does help to share it. Uh, with the brother that God has in your life or ladies with the sister that the Lord has put in your life where you can share something in your heart that that helps you to bring it before the Lord with somebody that understands also our frailties. And so he, he, he stopped me before I could pray and he said, Stephen, now remember he was in his 70s. He said, Stephen, he said, I've wasted my whole life and I've never served God. Now he had been saved for decades born again, washed with the blood of Jesus for decades, but not one day in his life did he ever on his own initiative or own accord ever go out and do something in service unto the Lord. And he told me that, and he said, I've played it safe all of my life. And so he got a government job and now oh, he has a very stable uh, wage or paycheck that's coming in and he played everything ultimate safe and came to the end of his life with nothing to show for it, except that he skated through life and he survived it, but he'd never served God at all. And he confessed that to me. So when I looked down and I saw literally his grave, grave marker with the date that he had passed away, which was about, you know, just wasn't too long ago. I said, wow. I said, well, he's in heaven now. And if you haven't done something yet, uh, it's too late to do it when you get there. Now, of course, when you get there, yes, you can, you can learn these things and you can begin to do some things, but uh, there are some things that once they're set, they are set for eternity concerning rewards, certain types of wages and things along that line. Wow, he did what he wanted in life. He never served God. But I know today I'm speaking to a different group of people. You have a heart for God, and I want to talk uh, with you of how you can be most effective in your service to the Lord. Now, let me say this. The highest form of service in God's eyes is going after souls. You're endeavoring to win souls and take them out of the kingdom of darkness and see them uh, won over to the Lord and brought into the kingdom of God's dear son, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let me talk about the rejoicing for a moment in heaven. When you and I give an offering, even a very sacrificial offering, you have to understand while that touches the heart of God and grabs his attention, it still doesn't cause God to throw a party in heaven. What, um, why? 
Why would that be? Well, because everything that we have and everything that we would give, even if we gave it all, even if we emptied our bank account, you have to understand it all came from the Lord. So we're only giving back to him what he has already given to us. Now, this was a revelation that King David clearly understood as he spoke of, and let's take a look at it, in First Chronicles chapter 29. This is First Chronicles chapter 29. And I want us to look at verse 14 and verse 16. King David said, and this is at the very end of his life, he said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own and of your own we have given you. Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. Wow. So David made a very fun, uh, we can't, we would just have to call it a phenomenal offering. It's actually mentioned in verses three and four of the same chapter of all the silver and all the gold that he gave and the current market value of that gold and silver is in today's market value. And by the way, you can check this. This is many commentators on the internet, modern day theologians and commentators. They all are right around the same money bracket. This today in today's money, the offering that David gave was 181 billion US dollars. That's today's equivalent. Oh, Pastor Stephen, nobody could give that. Well, um, Elon Musk could. He's worth over 300, million, uh, 300 billion. He could give 180 billion away and still almost have half of it left over. <laughs> so you can't say, well, David didn't have that kind of wealth. And that's another area where people don't understand that when he's winning all of those battles, and by the way, David never lost a battle. When he's winning all of those battles, he is gathering spoil. And he kept piling it up year after year, decade after decade. And it was phenomenal. But David said, hey, this tremendous offering that we've given, he said, God, this is what you have given us with. We're just giving back what you have blessed us with. And so we have to understand that. However, it's different with souls. When you went, when you went a soul for the Lord, when you lead somebody to Christ, the, God throws a party. The angels rejoice. Woo! Because why? Because a soul is something that is more valuable than all of the wealth in the entire world. So you can't buy a soul, but you can win a soul. And this is why soul winning is so important. And we see this in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Let's take a look in verse 26. A very concise statement that Jesus uh, made. Matthew, let me catch up in the right place here. Uh, let's see. Let me jump over to the right spot. That is actually Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing, there's nothing of value, value for the exchange of, a, of the soul. You can take all the gold in the world. It's not worth the price of one single soul. And that's why we do Christian television. Is it expensive? Yes, absolutely. But we see people saved. We see people give their hearts to Jesus. And that's why, <laughs> you know, that's why I ask for these special offerings. That's why I ask for your prayers and your support. Why? That's what I'm after. I'm fishing for souls. And I know that's on your heart as well. Praise God. So you being a soul winner is extremely important because God reaches the lost through human instruments like you and I. So you are the instrument that God is going to work through. And he doesn't, he doesn't win the lost through angels. Now he's going to use angels to do what they can do in the invisible realm to move the kind of help that person move forward towards making the decision. But we are the ones that have to share the message of reconciliation, lost man back 
to God through Jesus, the only mediator between God and man, the only one who can uh, empower man to cross the great divide. Wow. And that, of course, is through his, uh, what he accomplished at Calvary. Praise God. Amen. But my friends, the angels can't do the preaching. They can't do the explaining of how Christ died on the Calvary. You have to do that in the sphere that God has given you. I have to do that in the, uh, in the area of influence that God has given me. And we see this mentioned in the book of Acts chapter 10 and in verse 3. Acts 10 and in verse 3. Praise God. And it says, about the ninth hour of the day, he, Cornelius, saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms or your giving have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He, not me, he will tell you what you must do. And that's where the angels stopped. He could not, the angels do not have the license to preach the gospel, to explain the gospel. That job, that assignment is entrusted to you and I. And soul winning is the highest level of service in the eyes of God. Praise the Lord. I want to talk more about this. Hallelujah. A soul is more valuable to God than all the wealth of the world put together. Because of this, God will bless the soul winner and pay wages to the soul winner and pay really just about anything that that soul winner needs to keep moving on through life and to have their needs taken care of. God will not let a soul winner go down. Mm -mm. Praise God. So I want to declare today that God pays his workers, those that serve him, those that live for him, that surrender their lives to serve God primarily in God's number one heart desire, which is, is to see the lost come to him. God wants souls Let's win souls. Let's give God some trophies. I preached one time in a meeting, and the host, the, she was a lady, the hostess of the meeting that put the meeting on, she said, um, she didn't tell me till I got there. She said, Pastor Stephen, I just want you to know my brother is coming to the meetings, and uh, he, uh, he's, he's a bad guy. He has murdered a lot of people. And of course, th these things were hidden, you know, you know, these things were, you know, where you do something bad, get rid of the person. And he has done about every uh, type of horrible thing you can think of. He's owned at least three pornographic stores. He has, he's just done it all. Every evil, wicked, diabolical thing he's done. I just want you to know he's old and he's very sick. He could die real soon. And he's coming to your meetings. I said, let him, let him take a seat anywhere he wants to. And so um, the meetings began. I think I had five, maybe five or six meetings. And I taught and preached and taught and preached. And after the first few messages, he went to his sister who hosted the conference. And she kind of like had to twist his arm to go, you know. So he ends up finally going. He'd never gone to church or anything like that before. He goes and he listens. And she told him, this guy is a total nut. <laughs> this guy's crazy. And she's like, no, you're the one that's been living crazy, living in all your sin. Just keep listening to him. He kept listening. And on the last meeting, he got saved, gave his heart to Jesus, was born again. After I left, he got water baptized and then died shortly thereafter. The grace of God. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Praise God. What's he? He's a trophy. He's a trophy. Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's get God some trophies. Amen. Now, I want to talk for a moment about the subject of God paying his workers, God paying you for your efforts of being a soul winner. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this will be in verse 6. And let me say this before I read this about verse 6. 
God, God rewards individuals. While we can do things as a group and we can do things as the corporate or collective body of Christ, God, uh, he rewards individuals. In other words, when you go to work, you may have a thousand people that work at your job, but when you get paid, your pay is not going into everybody else's account. Your pay goes into your account. So I want you to understand that when God pays, he rewards individuals. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 6. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse 8, now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one, each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. God rewards individuals. And so it's not like if the wife's doing all this, the husband's like, well, you know, when we get to heaven, God will just split it evenly. It doesn't work like that. You are rewarded for your effort. Now, yes, we can get behind somebody and we can put wind behind their sails, which is what so many of you do for the ministry that God has given me. And God looks at your efforts and he will reward you for the way that you put your heart into it. Or if you're watching and perhaps you have a home church somewhere else, and maybe you're just watching this because you enjoy the teaching, but yet God perhaps has connected you with another man and woman of God. But the way that you jump into that work and the level that you commit and give your heart, see, that's something that only God can see. And God rewards people individually. Mm-mm. Uh, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Mm-mm-mm. This this is going to get a few guys uh, out of the gym. Look, bodily exercise has some profit, but godliness has great gain, not only for the eternal world to come, but you know, also right here, also right here, and yes, absolutely in the world to come. Praise God. You don't need to be spending four hours, four hours in the gym, six hours working out every day. You know, get engaged and get involved in serving the Lord and uh, be in shape spiritually. Hallelujah. So often when you do that, that takes care of even uh, some of the physical things that, uh, you know, you would be endeavoring to do. God blesses all of those things. Now, Jesus also addressed this in the last book of the Bible, Revelation uh, chapter 22, the last chapter, and in verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Okay, so it's not about just being there and kind of like, well, you know, everybody's working, at least I'm here. No, you have to engage because you can have, eight, you can have 10 people there and seven are just really dialed in, focused, endeavoring to see glory brought to Jesus. And the other three just kind of, you know, well, at least we're here. No, engage. Why? Because it's going to be individual payment. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Woo! Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Now, how does God pay his servants? And when I say servants, as we're seeing in scripture, the highest level of serving is winning souls. How does God pay soul winners? Number one, supernatural prosperity. And we see this in the gospel of Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter 6, let me turn over there, and in verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. I tell you, somebody's getting delivered right now from the love of the world. As I'm teaching this from God's holy word, somebody's getting delivered from the love of the world right now. I'm talking to a Christian. Amen. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. And I'll tell you what, they seek it. They crave for it. They lust after it. They look at it all day and all night, just hoping and wishing they could get it. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Hallelujah. Don't be jealous or upset 
at ministers, uh, particularly that are, that are prospering, uh, at evangelists, particularly that are prospering, when you have a heart for souls, when you really want to see the lost one to Christ, there is going to be an element of supernatural prosperity that will touch your life. And I love how this is mentioned in the book of Job. Job chapter 36, verse 11. If they obey and serve him, serve God, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. When you serve God, and you're, you're endeavoring to win souls, and you're not embarrassed or ashamed of Jesus, but when you're, when you're endeavoring to share your testimony and lead the lost to Christ, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. This is the B-I-B-L-E, and it's the good old book, and it's good enough for me. Amen, and I know it is for you too. Hallelujah. So there is supernatural prosperity. That's one way that God pays. Number two is a very strange and unusual way, but I've seen it happen in various dimensions of my own life. Number two is that God pays soul winners through supernatural breakthrough. And we see this in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 5, I've always have loved this story. Luke 5 and verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Would you let Jesus into your car? Would you let Jesus use your boat? Well, I'd let him use my boat, Pastor Stephen, but not my car. I don't want anybody riding my car. That's my, that's my car. Hmm. Well, does, does the Lord Jesus reward Peter? Does he give a payment to Peter? Let's see. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Oh, so Jesus is using Peter's boat to preach the gospel. Yes, he sure is. Excuse me just for a moment. Praise the Lord. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat, from your car, from your house, everything. Just be willing to yield every platform, every vehicle that you have for the usage of winning the lost to Christ. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, he'll say the same thing to you too, if you let him use your boat. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Sounds to me like he needs a breakthrough. Sounds to me like things aren't working too well for him. But he has already done something phenomenal. He has already let the Lord Jesus use his boat. Well, verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. What's that? That is a supernatural breakthrough. Praise God. You know, when I uh, picked up, uh, my wife and I, we picked up Apostle Catherine Crick and her assistant at the airport, and she got into my vehicle, and she said, um, this is the nicest pickup truck I have ever been in. And you know what? It is. There's not many like it. It's got the extras. I had a, uh, a former uh, a commando uh, uh, military guy. He got in my truck the other day. I let him use it for kingdom purpose. He said, uh, uh, Pastor Stephen, this thing's got a lot of bells and whistles. He said, I'm a little bit sensitive to put my foot on the gas pe uh, pedal. It's very sensitive. I said, yeah, it's got all kinds of upgrades. <laughs> it's, got, it's got all kinds of stuff. And it's God's blessing on my life. Why? I use that truck all the time. I use it all the time for the Lord. And when guys uh, look at it and they're like, and they, it's because it's a conversation starter, I use that conversation uh, as a door to bring Christ into the conversation to see where they're at. 
and to just bring that up to them about, you know, Jesus. What are you going to do with Jesus? And, uh, and just get into that a little bit. But my friends, that's why God has always kept me and my wife in nice vehicles. We'll use them. We'll drive them through anything, through anywhere to do anything, to use it for the Lord's kingdom purpose. Hallelujah. I jumped in it a few months back and drove nonstop from here to Denver and back. Why? For one soul. I won on that trip someone to the Lord that had sin so deep and so thick it would be repugnant for me to even mention what that person has done in private. But when I went, because the Holy Spirit told me to go, before this man was adamant, unyielding, and completely opposed to the gospel, but when I went, he was broken. And I was able to preach the gospel to him, and this man, a great sinner, repented and received Christ into his heart. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pastor Steve, I don't understand why you have a nice vehicle like that. Because it's God's blessing. Because when you care about souls, <laughs> there is supernatural breakthrough associated with it. Praise God. Amen. Let us engage the Lord in these areas. Praise the Lord. Number three. How does God pay soul winners? He pays them with supernatural honor. Supernatural honor coming upon your life. We see this in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 28. In a multitude of people is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. So with the king, a king is honored when there's a lot of people that are within his kingdom. And so we bring honor to the Lord when we bring the lost to Christ. When we increase the kingdom of God, it bestows, it bestows honor upon Jesus as the Savior of the world. Oh, hallelujah. Soul winning brings honor to Jesus. And when you honor him, he now has a heart to bestow strange honor upon your life where honor comes your way and you're honored by men and women in very unusual ways. Praise God. Why? You're a soul winner and you're getting, you're getting honor directed to Jesus. Praise God. You're bringing him trophies of his grace. Praise the Lord. Next, God pays soul winners through answers to prayer. We see this in John, John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and in verse 16, Jesus said, you did, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, go and bear fruit. Yes, the image of Christ formed in you, but also doing the works of the Lord and primarily that the greatest work is to bring the lost to Christ, to go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Praise the Lord. So there are supernatural answers to prayer when you're bearing fruit. When you're bearing fruit and you're sharing the good news of Christ with others. Look, you may share it. And as far as you know, they may not receive it with any knowledge that you have. But that doesn't mean later that that seed that you sowed will not produce and bring forth the harvest of salvation. So just do your part because for some it's sowing for others, it's watering that seed. And then eventually, boom, they're born again and they're in the kingdom. And sometimes you don't always see that, but my friends be a part of the process in whatever uh, link of the, of the chain of blessing that God uh, places you in. Hallelujah. And when you do that, when you're bearing fruit, Jesus said, whatever you ask the father in my name, he, uh, he may give you. So there are supernatural answers to prayer that accompanies the soul winner. Praise God. Now, number five is supernatural health. And we saw this earlier, that when you serve the Lord, there is supernatural health. Again, Exodus 23, verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God. 
and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. And I will fulfill the number of your days. You want to live a long life and you want to live uh, blessed with health in your body. Be, uh, how can I say, be serving the Lord in a tireless, energetic way. Mm -mm. Not just for a day. No, it's your lifestyle. It's just the way that you flow in the spirit. Praise God. Amen. And when you do that, you'll be experiencing the full taking away of sickness and disease because Christ already bore it at Calvary. But let's experience it. Let's uh, have the reality of it. Praise God. Now, number six, how does God pay soul, soul winners? The sixth way is he will establish with you a supernatural legacy. Oh, please take this to heart. He will give you a supernatural legacy. There are legacy names in the earth, a very, uh, well, let me, let me rephrase it. There are legacy names in the earth of people that do not serve God, and it's all going to go up in smoke. You have the Rothschilds. You have the, you know, the, these other uh, Illuminati names of these wealthy families and they don't serve God at all. That's all going to go up in smoke. If they don't get their lives right with God, they're, they, they are hitting, they're hitting straight to hell. And I know that's a very bold statement, but that is the Bible truth. It's either heaven or hell. There is no in between. And so, my friends, we must establish the right legacy. I want you to take this scripture to heart. It's one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. This is Daniel chapter 12. Praise the Lord. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We live in a culture where people not only sin and don't know Christ, they live in, in some ways and practice some of the most reprobate forms of sin that have been seen under the sun. But my friends, those who turn these people to righteousness, and there's only righteousness in Christ, it says you're going to shine like the stars forever and ever. When you turn people from sin to Christ, when you turn them from uh, being in the dark to the light, you will shine like a star in the firmament forever and ever. What is that? That's a supernatural legacy. And that's for people that are wise. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And we know who the wise are, according to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 11 and in verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Mm -mm. So I see a supernatural legacy being established in your life. You don't need to leave your kids and your grandkids a billion dollars. You need to leave them a true legacy, that of being a soul winner and knowing how to walk with God, please God, and serve God. If they don't, if they don't know that, you have not left them a true legacy. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. And number seven, because there are seven primary ways that God pays soul winners. Number seven, God will literally give you command of the supernatural. Oh, I've seen him do it. It's just like God's in your car and he allows you to drive the car and you have command of the supernatural. We see it in the gospel of Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And this will be in verse 20. Praise God. Mark, oops, I'm in the wrong gospel. Mark chapter 16. Matthew is good, but I'm looking for the one in Mark. Mark 16, verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So the Lord is working with them. He will work with you too when you go out and you share the message of reconciliation, that you can have your life right with God, that your sins can be forgiven. And look, the, 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 one of the best ways to lead a person to Christ is to share with them your 
testimony. It's not about arguing or debating. It's just share your testimony, love the person. It's a take it or leave it, but at least you uh, you present your heart and you present the truth of the gospel. They went out and preached everywhere. That's our responsibility. Uh, the Lord, See, when you do that, the Lord will work with you. Pastor Stephen, I want him to work with me. Well, you go out and share the gospel. <laughs> what is preaching? It's proclaiming the good news. That doesn't mean that you have to stand on the street corner, get a megaphone, and start you know, holding a street meeting. But maybe at the water break room, or you're at the break room, people are getting water. Maybe there's a conversation, and God comes up, and you're, you're the only one that's a believer standing there. That's, that's your moment, praise God. And so when you do that, God works with you. Praise God. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Signs will follow. Pastor Stephen, I'd like to get activated in the spirit. I'd like the spiritual gifts to come alive. Start praying for people. Because <laughs> I can lay hands on you and release activation, but you got to go out now and start, uh, you know, like uh, talking to people, praying for people and stuff like that. Just start talking about the Lord. Glory to God. And you'll have the Lord work with you. And when he does, oh, there's times you get, you get in a place where you can command the signs and wonders where the Holy Spirit's moving and you're just right there with him. And you know, he's working through you. That's what I mean by you're commanding them. He's working through you. You're yielded. And it's just as easy as eating popcorn. You're just standing there and you're like, this is what the Lord's showing me. And, it, and the people are just like, well, I'm receiving, I'm receiving. We got into a place on the last meeting we just did with the Chinese underground church where I was teaching. And my wife was also online with us. And although I uh, taught for about uh, right at two hours, we just kept going because the Holy Spirit started moving. And I could just begin calling out things in the Spirit. There were healings. There were uh, discerning the spirits. And this went on way over our, uh, you know, a lot of time, but the Holy Spirit just kept, kept going, it kept going, it kept going. And it's just like driving a car. So I could, I could just drive this all day long. Long as he's moving like this, you are commanding signs and wonders. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, when the, uh, the meeting conducted the other night, when we had the outdoor meeting, and, uh, you know, we get our guest speaker back uh, after she's completed and finished. And then uh, there's still the afterglow. And I just start walking around. Prophecy just starts flowing out of me, and uh, people are lining up. And there's just prophetic ministry. And I'm getting all kinds of things about people's life. And the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit's moving and, uh, and, and literal signs and wonders. And it's, it's just standing there and just kind of commanding it, flowing with it. And uh, people are receiving, and we're, uh, we're having a good time. Praise God. I, I'm telling you, God will give you command of the supernatural, but you have to be a soul winner. This is not just so you could, somebody could say, oh, isn't he or she spiritual? No, 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 no. It's to get them to the Lord. It's to exalt Christ. It's to either to get the lost saved or to build up God's people. Hallelujah. And when you do that, he'll put you in command of the supernatural. Lift your hands. Father, you promised seven rewards for the soul winner. Right now, I pray that you brand upon the heart of your people the central message of the gospel, which is to win the lost to Christ. And I thank you, Father God, for a reevaluation of, of, of motives, a reevaluation of priorities, and let us line up with the good gospel message. Thank you, Father. Bless your people. Thank you. Give them souls. Put people that are hungry, that are needy. Uh, somebody watching, you're literally going to have a moment where somebody's about to jump off the bridge. They are literally about to commit suicide, and you see, you're going to see the person standing there, and they're about to jump, and you'll be able to, to speak hope to them, talk them out of that, and lead them to Christ. Hallelujah. Be bold, be brave. Know it when it happens that God is with you, and that your words are loaded with power and love, and it'll, it, will, it will just touch the hearts of the people. Amen. You know, it was um, there in England where Charles Spurgeon, they had a new church building built. And he, uh, the workers had been working all week. And uh, so there was, I think it was a Saturday or something like that. Nobody was there. He went in and uh, just stepped up to the pulpit because this was a new church, uh, new acoustics and all. Remember, this is back in the 1800s. So he just decided to say something just to see how the acoustics sounded. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. 
and he didn't know it, but one of the construction workers was in that. It was in there still in the building on the off day doing some things that he was asked to do. And he heard Spurgeon say that, and he was smitten by the Holy Spirit, convicted by the Holy Spirit, and he gave his heart to Christ. <laughs> so here's a preacher not even trying to win somebody to the Lord, but yet now here's somebody getting saved just off a statement that he makes when he thinks he's all alone, all by himself. I've heard so many testimonies like this. John Follett, uh, a prophet, said he kept trying to win his dad to the Lord year after year, and his dad would never receive Christ. And, he, and John Follett said, Lord, I love him. I've done all I could. I've tried to win him to you. Lord, I, I'm going to pray for him, but I, I, there's an element of it. I just give him to you. And he said, I'm going to worship you. And he began to worship the Lord one day when he was home alone. But what he didn't know was that his dad was still in the house and as John Philip began to worship the Lord on the, on the piano and began to praise God in the spirit, he did that for a little while and suddenly he heard tears and he turned around. That, there was a dad standing there weeping and crying. He said, son, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've never, I've never have seen anything as holy or sacred as what I just saw. And, uh, and John Philip led his father to the Lord. My friends, God is going to give you these opportunities. Just be ready to go. And watch, he pays his workers really good. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're watching today's program and you have never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, come on. Today is your day. Step out of the darkness. Step into the light right now. Pray this prayer from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life and step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen and amen. And my friend, he has heard that prayer and he has answered that. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now today, let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it right now and we sanctify it. That is, we set it apart as being holy through this prayer. We thank you, Father, that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. So, Father, as we receive the, the flesh, the body of the Lord, we thank you for a heart to win souls. We just give you all the praise. Thank you, Father God. We ask that you would put them in our path, those that are ready for harvest. Uh, not what we would call the green wood, which is very hard to burn, but the dry wood, the hearts that are open. And it's the right moment for the picking of the fruit. Father, put them in our lives. We thank you. We give you all the praise that we are going to bring honor to you through the winning of souls. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. You're going to be in the right place at the right time. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was at work years back. This was maybe 25 years ago. I had my Bible on the desk. I was actually at that time front desk clerk. At the uh, at the hotel right next to Disneyland, just outside of Disneyland, there's a whole there's a street just lined with hotels. But ours was closest to Disney Disneyland, so I had my Bible sitting on the counter when a man was checking in from Germany, and he saw that he saw my Bible. He said, "Is that a Bible?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Could you please explain to me what John three sixteen means?" He said, "I watched the World Series." Uh, and this was, of course, years back. And he said, uh, back behind the picture in, the, in the, the bleachers, there's a man that sits there with a clown-colored, rainbow-colored uh, wig on his head. And, uh, you know, uh, and he holds up a sign uh, that says, John 3.16. Some of you remember that from back in the 80s and 90s. The guy that used to uh, buy his ticket and sit right there and hold up the John 3.16 sign during the World Series. And the man said, I've, I've seen that often on the World Series. What does John 3.16 mean? And I opened it up and I read it to him. 
and was endeavoring to read, uh, lead him to the Lord, and he was just about to receive Christ, and his wife just jumped in there and said, oh, no, 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 we're here for Disneyland. We don't need this. And she grabbed him and pulled him around because I was handing them the room key. I should have held the room keys back, maybe gone a little slower. She grabbed him and pulled him around and took him straight to the room because she didn't want to get right with God, but he sure did. But, you know, the seed was planted. We'll find out one day what really happened. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you that you are putting golden opportunities in the lives of your people to win the loss to you. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, cleansing us from all sin, washing us from all sin and all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father, that the blood be applied now. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for joining me this morning. And I look forward to seeing you back real soon. Remember, God rewards. God pays his servants, soul winners, in seven various ways. Actually, in all seven ways coming into your life. Thanks for watching. And thank you for being on the front lines for the Lord. God bless you. Your reward's on the way. Bye-bye.